Let's begin our reading of the scripture. Please follow along. In John 3, verses 1 to 10. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher comes from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? This is the word of the Lord. Everyone, hallelujah. His word is good. Thank you, Rose. Well, good morning. My name is Steve. Doesn't that sound familiar? Just had a Steve up here just a second ago. In fact, they said this is the Steve show. Uh, Well, my name is Steve Brucker, and you may find that last name familiar, because my son Jeff is the executive director here at Trinity, and then my daughter, who hangs out at that table, is the children's ministry director. So my wife and I are very active here. Now, I am a retired middle school physical education teacher. I taught middle school for 33 years, and I'm still alive. And three years I spent in between and after as a pastor at two different churches. And currently I am teaching classes at Cal State San Marcos in the education department and in the kinesiology department. And I have a master's degree in what is called Christian apologetics. That's a fancy word. It simply means a master's degree in making a case for Christianity. I I study evidences for the Christian faith. And I I am married almost 50 years, coming up in November. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. I have three kids. One's not here. He's in Monterey. And five grandchildren who can be seen running around here all the time. Uh, it's, It's so much fun. I love disc golf, table tennis, and jogging. Those are my favorite hobbies. Now, I grew up in a non-Christian family. In fact, I never heard the word God or Jesus spoken unless they were curse words. And through high school and through college, I would have called myself an apathetic atheist. You say, well, what's that? It just means I had no spiritual interest at all. I didn't know what I believed. I didn't believe in God because I just didn't see God. And my primary interests were beer and baseball. Some of you are thinking, what's wrong with that? But there was a problem, and the problem was bigger than the beer and baseball. It was that I wanted to be God. I wanted to be in control. If I was a train, I wanted to be the engine of that train. 
Well, during my senior year, Peggy and I get married. Yeah, I was 10 years old at the time. And we moved to Escondido when I got a teaching job. And we didn't know anybody other than a couple relatives. And so we decided to join a church, but I had some standards for this church. This church had to be one that teaches that God is love, that's a good thing, and didn't talk about sin, because I didn't want to hear anything about that word sin. Then, after a couple months of being there, we were invited to work with the high school group. So we said, yeah, sounds cool. And after six months of working with the high school group, guess what? The high school pastor leaves, and he looks at me and says, now you're in charge. Me? I don't even believe in God, and I'm going to teach a high school church group? So I knew right away what I had to do. I had to learn what this book was all about. So I started reading it. You know, you read a book. You start at the chapter one. So I went into Genesis, read all of Genesis, and all the way through the entire Old Testament. Got in the New Testament, I read Matthew, Mark, and partway through Luke, I was wondering why there were reruns. <laughs> it kept repeating the story over and over again, but I got to tell you, that was a life-changing experience, which I will allude to later. But this morning, we're going to look at the life of Nicodemus. And we're going to travel from John 3 through some key passages. And I'm going to add my part, because I really connect with Nicodemus, which is why I like this. And the theme of today is to become born again. That's the major theme. And instead of three points, I have three stages. Stage one is interested but lost. Stage two, partial blindness. And stage three, now I see. And again, it's, it's Nicodemus in his life. Stage one, he was interested but lost. Stage two, Nicodemus was partially blind. And stage three, Nicodemus can honestly say, now I see. So we'll start at stage one and learn about being interested but still lost. And we got to learn who, who Nicodemus is. And so it, it's covered in John chapter three. If you have your Bibles, open them up to John chapter three. And verse 1, and it says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So what do we learn about Nicodemus? Well, first off, we learn he's a Pharisee. And the Pharisee was an elite religious group. But what was interesting, they came from the common people, which made them very popular, and they were experts at the Hebrew scriptures and of God's law. Then it also says he was a ruler of the Jews. What did that mean? What that meant was he's a member of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin is the major leagues of, of church councils. In fact, they're the Council of Israel, and they had the authority to make arrests and conduct trials. Nicodemus is a major player in this. So let's move on let's, as we get to verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, why did he come at night? Well, I have two ideas why he came at night. Number one, 
So the Pharisees wouldn't see him. He could sneak in and see Jesus. But there's a second possibility. At night, there's less obligations. More time to talk to Jesus, more time to spend with him. But the bigger question is, why did he go to Jesus? He's a Pharisee. He's an expert of the law. He's an expert of the Hebrew scriptures. Why would he go to Jesus? Well, I think this is part of stage one of being interested but lost. He has this interest in Jesus. He's heard some things about him. And he says this. He's very complimentary. And he says this, Rabbi, we know. Rabbi, that is my master or my teacher. That's what rabbi meant. And he said that we know that you are a teacher come from God. How did he know this? Well, he he alludes to these signs that Jesus was doing. Now, what are signs? Signs are miracles. And he had heard about Jesus. How did he hear about him? Well, we read about it in John chapter 2, right before he meets with Jesus. We read about it here, John chapter 2, verse 23. Now when he, talking about Jesus, now when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. Signs, miracles. He was performing miracles. Nicodemus heard about him. In fact, he might have heard that he had changed water into wine. Remember that? Jeff preached on that a few weeks ago. So before we can go any further, we now need to shift our gears to, over to Jesus because now Jesus is going to step in and he's going to quiz Nicodemus on what it means to be born again. We go to verses 3 and 4. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus is trying to communicate what it means to be born again. And Nicodemus is thinking physical. He says, do I have to be, climb into my mother's womb to be born again? Now, his answer is very logical. How would you have answered that before you came to know Jesus? I know how I would have answered. I'd have thought the same thing. I wouldn't have got it one iota. And Jesus is going to help him. He's going to try to help him in this, in this area because he knows that Nicodemus isn't getting it. So we go to verse 5 and 6. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. I'm going to take those two verses and just jam them together because here's what Jesus is communicating. That which is flesh is flesh. He's talking about a physical birth. Every single person here experienced a physical birth. But the second birth, he's trying to communicate to Nicodemus, is a spiritual rebirth, a spiritual birth. But Nicodemus, again, he's interested in Jesus, but he's lost. And he's just not getting it. Now, we reach... Verse 7, John 3, verse, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says this, Do not marvel that I said 
to you, you must be born again. And I'm going to pause right there. He uses you twice in a row. And when he says, do not marvel that I said to you, he's talking about Nicodemus. I said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That you in the Greek is plural. That means what Jesus was communicating, that everybody in the world must become born again. Everybody in this room needs to become born again according to Jesus. Now, I have to admit, Nicodemus still doesn't understand. And, and I relate to that. When I was a non-Christian, I did not understand anything that was spiritual. So I, I, I feel Nicodemus' pain. And Nicodemus, it says in John 3, 9, and 10, Nicodemus said to him, oh, how can these things be? Remember, he's an expert. And he's saying to Jesus, how can these things, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Now, that's a little harsh, isn't it? Sounds like he's slamming Nicodemus right here. What do you think of that statement? Do you think that was a little harsh? Well, here's what I have concluded, is that Jesus addresses us right where we need to, what, just what we need to hear. And sometimes he, ha he addresses us harshly. Remember the rich young ruler he came to Jesus and, how, and asked Jesus, how can I have eternal life? How can I get to heaven? And Jesus gave him a few of the commandments, and he said, hey, I'm good. I do all those things. I got it made. And, and he said, what do I lack? And Jesus said, sell all you have. He was rich. Sell all, your, all you have to the poor and follow me. Boy, that was a slam. That young man walked away sad. But that's what he needed to hear. And the same thing for Nicodemus. He needed to be woken up. <clears throat> he is spiritually lost. And Jesus is trying to walk him up. How about you? Has Jesus slammed you at different times? Has he tried to wake you up? I know he has for me. And I'm going to talk about that later. Now we're going to move from John chapter 3 to John chapter 7. And I don't, there's nothing about Nicodemus at this point. We don't hear anything about him, but we, he does arrive in John chapter 7. And what's, what's going on? Well, the people are uncertain about who Jesus is in John, John 7, 40 to 44. Some say he's the Messiah. The, the Messiah is the anointed one. The Messiah was supposed to come and establish his kingdom. They were waiting for the Messiah. The whole Old Testament points to this Messiah. And some were saying Jesus is this Messiah. Others said, no, he can't be the Messiah. He's from Galilee. Well, that was false. And they said, not only is he from Galilee, the Messiah has to be born in Bethlehem and has to be from the line of David. Well, funny, that's, that's Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and he is from the light of David, but they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear the truth. They kept accusing him from being from Galilee. And the, the Pharisees 
are getting angrier and angrier, and they want to arrest him. They want him arrested. So we pick up in John chapter 7, verse 50 to 52. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was with them, again, when it said who had gone to him before, they're talking about John chapter 3. Interesting, they point back to John chapter 3. And here's what Nicodemus, a Pharisee, says to the other Pharisees. Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Boy, that's, that's in their face. That's in their face. That's a procedural thing they should have known. And they reply, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Well, pastor and scholar John MacArthur says this. Nicodemus was probably not a disciple of Jesus at this point, and I agree. He's in stage two. He's partial, he has partial blindness. Then MacArthur goes on to say, though he would later become one, and I agree with that. But his mind was open to the Lord's claims. Nicodemus did not openly defend Jesus, but he did raise a procedural point in his favor, reminding his colleagues that our law does not judge a man unless he first hears from him and knows what he is doing. Does it? Here Nicodemus is standing up for Jesus. And the Pharisees then taunt Nicodemus. They say, are you a Galilee too? Remember, they accused Jesus of being from Galilee, and he, he taught there, but he was born in Bethlehem. Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. And what they're implying is that Nicodemus was ignorant of theological truths. And to me, that confirms he's entered into stage two. He has partial blindness. The Holy Spirit is helping him. This is why he stood up for Jesus. This had to be a gutsy thing to do. And I have found that partial blindness can appear in two different forms. Partial blindness, and maybe you can remember back in your spiritual life, at a time all of a sudden interest in Jesus grew. The Holy Spirit was working in your life. You may not have totally understood it, but it was happening. Or a second way in partial blindness is you were confronted, just like Nicodemus was confronted. But here it's confronted with your sin. Well, I'm now teaching students about Jesus at, at a church. And again, I don't believe in God, and I'm, but I'm teaching about Jesus. And I'm listening to sermons, and I'm taking notes like mad. I mean, I'm, I have to learn. So I'm listening to sermons, live sermons. I'm, I'm getting on the radio and listening to sermons, and I'm just writing things down like crazy. And I told Peggy, I said, let's go to Emmanuel Faith. Now, what is Emmanuel Faith? It's a large church in Escondido, very large church in Escondido, probably the biggest one. And it had a pastor by the name of Dr. Richard Strauss. And I had heard he was a brilliant pastor, so Peggy and I went for three weeks in a row. And you got to see me. I had a big notebook, and the content that he was teaching, I'm just writing like mad. There I am, turning page after page and writing and writing and writing. And for two weeks, I left that service with a shoulder ache and a neck ache. 
And I had no clue what was going on until the third week. After the third week finished, and I hadn't told Peggy this, but after the third week finished, I still picture myself standing at the car, and I told her that I've had the last three weeks, I've had a shoulder ache, a neck ache, now I have a headache. And you know why? This man, Richard Strauss, is calling me a sinner, and I am not a sinner. And then we're not going back to this church. Funny thing is, I was on staff a few years later at, at Emmanuel Faith. Nicodemus wanted to give Jesus a fair trial. I think that is solid evidence that that he had this partial blindness, that the Holy Spirit was working on him. And then that brings him to stage three. Now I see. One of the many miracles Jesus did, and maybe one of the greatest miracles other than the resurrection, is that he healed a man born blind. They had never seen anything like that. And so the Pharisees were there, and and they were questioning this blind man, and and they didn't like his answer, so they moved on to the parents, and the parents said, don't ask us, go ask him. So they're going to go to him a second time, and in John chapter 9, verses 24 and 25, so for the second time they called the man who had been born blind, who had been blind, and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man, talking about Jesus, this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now I see. Now the text never says it, but I think Nicodemus becomes a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to go over that in just a second, the evidence for that. But what we see in, in John 3.3, this is what's so interesting about this, now I see. If we go back to John 3.3, Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Your eyes are opened. You who have been born again, you know what that experience is like. All of a sudden, spiritual truths that were a mystery, you now see. It happened to me, and it happened to you. Your eyes were open. Now I see. Well, let's, let's look at how and why I think Nicodemus was a believer. And we go to John chapter 19, verses 39 and 40. Nicodemus also who earlier had come to Jesus by night, again, back to John 3, who had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it to the linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now that word they, they're talking about Joseph of Arimathea, and Nicodemus. So here's, here's my evidence why I think Nicodemus is a, is a follower of Jesus. Number one, Nicodemus teams up with Joseph of Arimathea. The Bible says that he was a disciple. What Pharisee is going to team up with a disciple unless he himself is a disciple? Second evidence, 
It was Joseph who offered his tomb for Jesus. And he went to Pilate and asked for the body. And it says, so they took the body of Jesus. Nicodemus was honoring Jesus even in his death, his death on the cross. He wanted to be there to take the body to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. That's number two. And third, the spices. There's an overabundance of spices. You don't bring 75 pounds of spices for a common person, only for a ruler or for a king. And I think Nicodemus saw Jesus as a ruler and as his king. And so based on those three pieces of evidence, I believe that Nicodemus was a follower of Jesus Christ. He became born again, just like Jesus had taught. All right, so what happened to me? Well, after reading the Bible and a few other things, all of a sudden what I feared the most came true. I was a sinner. You see, I had seen my life from this standpoint, a human standpoint. I'm a good guy. Peggy would never have married me if I was a creep, okay? So I'm a good guy. People like me, this sort of thing. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is revealing what God thinks of me and showed me that I was broken, that I was selfish, that I was prideful, and that I needed forgiveness. And I came to realize, and I really don't know how, but I came to realize that Jesus was the only one who could provide that, that forgiveness. And at age 30, I was born again. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit flipped my entire world at that point. Going from an atheist, someone who doesn't believe in God, to now being a follower of Jesus. You know, it's funny, I get in lots of conversations with people who don't believe in Jesus, and I was once asked by a person, how did you figure out Christianity was true? How did you come to that conclusion? And I said, I have no idea. I said, I don't know. I didn't figure anything out. All I know is once I was going this way, and the next moment I'm going this way. And this is why it makes sense what Jesus said. Back in John chapter 3, let's look at verse 8. He said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Do you know where the wind comes from? I don't know. I'm a disc golfer. We hate wind. <laughs> you throw a Frisbee and it goes like this, but we don't know where the wind comes from. Well, that's the way of anyone who is born of the Spirit of God. Now, you may have looked back and said, well, Steve, I know. I, I prayed a prayer. Yeah, well, do you know your prayer didn't save you? God saves you. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. I'll guarantee you, you don't know when that happened because it's invisible. I don't know when it happened. But as I said before, one day I'm going this way, and the next day I'm going this way, and I don't have a clue how that happened other than I admitted I was a sinner and uh, I asked Jesus into my life. The question is, where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? If you're at stage one, interested but lost, I am so glad you are here. You're in the right place, and you need to come back. 
It's the method the Holy Spirit works through people to convict you of your sin. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the work. Maybe you're in stage two of of partial blindness. Your interest has been piqued, and you're starting to really get it. And I had to walk through partial blindness. I had to be faced with my sin. And maybe it's time to enter stage three. Now I can see. Have you committed your life to following Jesus? Let me give you three easy steps to committing your life to Jesus. Step one is to admit you're a sinner. This was hard for me. I got angry. But once the Holy Spirit helped me understand that I am a sinner, and it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Second, so you admit you're a sinner. Second, you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty you deserve. He took your place on the cross. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his great love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And the last step is to make him your king. Make him the engine of your life. This was another big step for me. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord or ruler or engine of your life, if Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now for others in here, you have been born again, and I'm just walking you through the process by which you were born again, but today... Today is a day to celebrate his grace and his mercy that has been shown to you as someone who has been born again. Let me pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your incredible grace. We don't deserve your forgiveness, but you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could experience your grace and mercy. And I pray for all those who have trusted in Christ, that each one this morning will be filled with gratitude as they reflect on the price that Jesus paid for their forgiveness. And I pray for anyone who has placed their trust in Jesus today, that they will have the courage to tell somebody, tell somebody that they have entered stage three. And finally, give us who are born again the courage and the wisdom to tell our story to someone who needs Jesus. We ask for all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.